Hello, friends. Welcome to a tale not for the faint of heart. The year is 1890. The place, Boston. A dark and sinister force has seeped into our world, corrupting and conquering all it touches. Now, four adventurers have banded together. Can they keep the darkness from holding total dominion over all. Find out as our heroes face the Red Death. So uh, as the uh, person in a butler uniform gets to the end of the hallway and sort of slaps his hand on uh, something, you hear the sound of bells chiming uh, and from the inside, you see two metal panels start rapidly descending over the two ends of the hallway. And so this, uh, if there's anything you want to do there, uh, let me know. Uh, outside, you see this metal panel uh, start descending rapidly, and you're far enough away that uh, it'll be down before you can get there. So um, will uh, Agnes and Sawyer, you two see this happen, uh, Ignacia and... Uh, James, you two uh, have a chance to react to it inside. Um, I think if James hears that happening and I'm close enough, I may try to turn around and stop it, maybe grab onto it or something, or see if I can slow it down. Mm -hmm. I also did cast on you last time at the very end, enhance ability on strength. So you are, I think my words were... You're strong enough to tear apart a bowl right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. That gives me advantage on strength, right? For an hour. That's what I have wrote down. All right. So uh yeah, give me a quick uh give me a quick strength check. Which door are you trying to do this to? The one inside or the one outside? Um, I would say the one outside. That way I can give a chance for them to get in with us. All right, All right. sounds good. So if I want to do inspiration, uh do should do I need to say that first? Uh, so inspiration would give you advantage on a roll, but you already have it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, and But with inspiration, uh, I've heard it both ways, and I'm not sure which is true, um, but you get inspiration for doing something really awesome before. And so I'm inclined to say that uh, inspiration you can choose after you find out whether you've succeeded or not with, a, with your first roll. Um, okay. But you can't use it here because you already have advantage. Yeah. And advantage is I just roll twice and take the better result, right? Correct. Okay. So am I rolling on, would that be, I guess, strength? You had to grab it. Am I close enough that I don't have to like lunge for it, that I can just kind of turn around and grab onto it? Uh, I'm going to calculate that into the difficulty of the strength check. I'm going to okay. be honest, you're looking for a natural 20 here. Oh, okay. Fun. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> All right, that was a 13. Let's roll my second one. That's a 10. Okay. So, yeah, you uh, you get over to the door and you get your hand under it just in time uh, as it's starting to close. But as it keeps dropping, uh, you can clearly tell that this is going to keep going, whether your fingers are there or not. Uh, and instinctively, you sort of pull them back as you're trying to, um, you know, preserve yourself as much as you can. Because you figure being trapped inside with broken fingers is worse than being trapped inside with unbroken fingers. Yeah, my, my, the only weapons I have are my fists. So, you know, right. if this turns to fighting, they need to be working. Sure. And uh, Ignacia, what are you gonna? What are you gonna do? Um, 
That's a good question. So the door's closing in behind us, and the only person I can see right now is the person in front of us with the bell ringing. Yep, correct. Okay. Um, can I let him stop ringing that bell? Hold on one second. Let me pull that real quick. Sure. Because I might do something. I had to rewrite my character sheet because I lost it again. So uh, <laughs> bear with me for a second. No worries. How far away is he from me? Uh, the hallway is about, uh, it's a long hallway. It's about uh, about 20 feet. 20 feet? Okay. Uh, so as he's focusing on the door and I look at this man, I'm going to like start moving my hands around, um, I guess, uh, rubbing them together, uh, uh, closing my eyes, holding and uh, grasp onto the uh, topaz around my neck. And uh, I look at him and across the way, a uh, uh, like almost like a like a glowing celestial hatchet appears near him. Okay. So I'm gonna do spiritual <laughs> weapon. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty damn and, happy um, right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you create a special order. You cast spell within five feet of the weapon. Okay. And so I'm gonna roll to hit him. Okay. Because it's actually a bonus action. So. Okay. So let's see here. Uh, I don't know what I roll to cast still in mother. I don't know what that is. Still casting ability modifier. Percy is two wisdoms plus three, so it's plus five. Thirteen to hit. Yeah, yeah, you definitely hit him. Um, he's incredibly surprised. Uh, and so, uh, how much, how much damage does it do? Sorry, it's one d eight plus my spell casting modifier. So, I don't know what I rolled for my d twenty. Roll to hit on. Yeah, yeah. So you roll a d20 and then you add your spellcasting modifier uh, to hit, and then the damage is 1d8 plus 5 since that's your spellcasting modifier. The spellcasting modifier? Yeah. Okay. So so I rolled a 7 plus 5, that is 12. Okay. Points of, uh, <laughs> points of force damage? Oh, yeah. Uh, this guy is, is quite down. Um, so he, he turns just in time. Uh, you said it was a hatchet, right? Yeah, it's. Okay, so he turns just in time to see this thing come up, and you see this just abject look of terror on his face as this glowing hatchet comes down and cuts right into his shoulder blade, uh, and he just crumples to the floor. Um, he is he is down and out. I imagine James is is very very like what the fuck just happened. Yeah, I don't think James has any has ever seen anything quite like that before. No, nothing that he could, you know, he, anything James has seen that's been strange, he could probably just pass this off to, like, maybe inhaling some fumes at the worksite or maybe had one too many drinks. <laughs> well, speaking of fumes, uh, you actually do notice as your sort of shock dissipates that there is a, a smoke coming into the room uh, from around the floor, um, and it's sort of floating up towards you. Uh, it doesn't smell particularly good, but it's not fire smoke. It's it's definitely something chemical. Well, James is definitely, I mean, he's just got a shirt over the nose. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Pull his shirt up over his nose and I guess, I mean, the door's closed behind us, right? Yes. Okay, and I guess start heading down the hallway a little bit. Okay. Does it, does it look like the smoke clears off anywhere down there? Is it just kind of filling this whole the whole hallway? Yeah, it's filling the whole hallway. There's okay. uh, these metal sheets have come down on both sides of the hallway um 
and uh, there was a door past the other one before, but now it's obscured, you know, by this solid metal sheet. Where is the smell coming from? uh, It's coming from a couple different sort of like uh, holes in the floor. You know, since it's coming in in sort of billows, you can see where it's coming in. Um, There's about eight to ten spaces that it's coming out of kind of around the hall. How big or like these sort of like small holes? Are they big holes? Uh, they're about the size of a thumb. The reason why I ask is because I want to see if I can like probably like maybe rip like some pieces of my like ja- like take my jacket off and like rip it apart and try to shove it in sure. to block the smoke. Yeah. Um, so as you're starting to do that, um, you know you, you do have to breathe at some point, uh, and I'm going to need both of you to give me a a Constitution saving throw. Okay. I before you do it, I'm just like you you have this, and I place a hand on his his arm and I give him guidance. <laughs> Okay, cool. What does that do? It's a, a, you can roll your d20, and then if you want to, you can add a d4 to that. Okay. So you roll before, you can add the d4 before or after. All right. A, a d20 roll. Well, I rolled a seven, so I think I will roll that d4 as well. Oh, I'm sorry. They can add to one of their ability checks on saving throws. I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. Oh, that's okay. You want to have not guessed yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it you... was a cantrip anyway, so uh, oh, okay. that's fine. That's fine. Well, I rolled a seven, and I think I've got a plus, plus two for my constitution. Okay. Uh, since you have your shirt over your face, I'm going to give you advantage on that. Okay. Um, Ignacia, uh, since you're sort of busily trying to, you know, tear at your jacket to make a strip, I'm, uh, you're not going to have advantage at this. Okay. I rolled a 20, so it would be a 21. Okay. Um, you feel a little bit lightheaded, but... Uh, but but pretty good um, other than that. Uh, but you realize that breathing this in is going to probably do bad things to you. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a... I'm going to work fast. Sure. I, I got a 17, uh, uh, 19 total on my Okay. So uh, you breathe in as well, um, and it hits you a little bit harder, and you feel your... Everything sort of goes fuzzy for a split second, uh, but then you come back to... Uh, and you figure out that uh, this gas is going to knock you out when, you, uh, when you've breathed enough of it in. Okay. Well, I will do my best to take as few breaths as possible. Uh, just heading, heading, I mean, when I see her stuffing, stuffing fabric into the hose, does it seem to be stopping the, the gas? Yeah. So after uh, each one, as she stuffs each one, it, it does stop coming out of there, at least for the short term. But after each one, uh, each of you is going to need to repeat that saving throw, um, just because you're working quickly and fairly frantically. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if James sees that it's working, he's going to start doing the same thing too to just to slow it down. So okay, so yeah, I'm going to say that you both got uh, you both I got two of them. You rolled in that one. So <laughs> yeah. as you're as you're stuffing uh, the second hole, you do the first one very successfully. But as you're stuffing the second one. Um, you you go to put the the shred of your shirt in there, um, but sort of mistime it and take a really deep breath right as it goes into your face, um, and everything goes blank, everything goes black, uh, everything feels fuzzy, and you hit the ground, uh, and you're you're unconscious. And my spiritual weapon disappears. Yes, I wrote a fifteen, a seventeen total on the next one. Okay. So uh, same thing happens. Uh, as you you look over, 
uh, and you see Ignacia um, om- almost looks like she's inhaling the smoke intentionally, kneeling down right in front of him. <laughs> um, and you see her just sort of face plant into the into the carpet. Um, that leads you to sort of take a shallower breath than you would have otherwise, um, and you're able to to plug up one more hole. Uh, all right. So with her on the ground, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this quick enough. So I guess I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna grab her and try to to drag her towards the end of the hallway. Okay. Um, yeah. Great. All right. So uh, so yeah, grab her, drag her towards uh, the other side, and as you grab her, as you start pulling her that way. Uh, give me another saving throw. Okay. Uh, 18, so 20 total. Okay, great. So you've got her, uh, and you manage to pull her down to the other end where this, this metal sheet has come down. Um, and you're there, uh, and you have enough oxygen in your lungs to do one more thing before you have to repeat the save. Um, I don't guess I can get my fingers under to try to, to try to lift this, uh, to lift the, the steel doors that like, it rode down to, right? Yeah, it's right. it's down so that like there was a looking at it uh, and having the sort of construction knowledge that you have. It's not that it's laying flat on the floor; it's that there was a sort of groove there that it's now down in. Um, the only way to to get to it would be to like pry the floorboards up and see if you can get down that far. That doesn't seem very uh-huh. doesn't seem like a good idea at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost like your jams put you in a situation where it affects both of you. You get knocked out by knockout gas. It's wild. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Um, I think I want to take a, a piece a piece of the fabric that I ripped off to shove in a hole and, and try to get it at least around her mouth to make a mask around her mouth and nose. Okay. I think that'd be the last thing that I, that I would try to do real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, so so you managed to, to do that no problem. Um, and now I'm going to need you to repeat the saving throw. There's so much smoke in here now that I'm going to make you have you make it with disadvantage. So okay. roll twice, take the lower. Gotcha. That's a nine. That's a five. So seven total. Okay. Um, so yeah, you uh, as you're doing this, um, you sort of nobly put the the fabric over her mouth to better protect her. Um, and as you're doing that, everything sort of you know you've been holding your breath. The room is pretty crowded out for oxygen. Um, and you sort of start to go fuzzy and um, kind of just slump down on the ground next to her. Good luck, outdoor team. <laughs> All right, so outdoor team, uh, you're up. So we'll rewind a little bit. You've just watched this metal sheet come down in front of the door, and uh, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is unfortunate. Are there any like small? Can I? roll us something check to see if there are any like small animals or insects or something look like they are either coming out of the building or would naturally be kind of going in uh sure you can do an investigation check while she's doing that i'm looking for any type of uh this this was a secure building that didn't have like windows and stuff we were noticing correct um which would be very similar to banks that i've uh been involved in possibly in less than you know legal dealings sure uh, so I'm going to try to find uh, any type of like loose paneling or anything like that, that that maybe could be pried loose and work our way in some other way around the door. Sure. Um, so you have uh, there is the door frame um, 
and uh, the metal slid down behind it. So if you want to start sort of prying that off, uh, you definitely can. Yeah, I'll um, use my boot knife. Okay, cool. Uh, give me a strength check with uh, with advantage on that. And um, Agnes, how'd you do with your investigation check? 20 overall. 20, okay, great. So you notice that uh, at, the, at the foundation of the house, so they sort of had to walk up a few stairs to get onto a, a porch to get in kind of thing. Um, and near the foundation, there are some, uh, there's like a line of ants coming in and going out near the side of the building. Um, and they seem to be not going up to where the, the main floor would be, but going down. So you assume that there's some sort of basement here. I assume that I won't be able to cast a uh, speak with animals on ants. Probably. I, I mean, fuck it. Yeah. Why not? Right. Like, <laughs> um, all right, gonna... let's, let's get weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start talking to ants. This is not how I envisioned Agnes's story. <laughs> Um, all right so so first off uh as a pretty radical skeptic how are you uh convincing yourself that you're successfully communing with uh with insects so obviously what's really happening here is that i've I've spent some time uh studying what is it entomology naturally yeah you know as a hobby just for For funsies natural for a history student right to take an interest in insects Mm -hmm. so i also they're just curious they're creatures that work together very well it's just an interesting phenomenon how they work together so well so i know about their patterns and really when i think i'm talking to animal or to any kind of animal it's just that i'm reading their their habits and patterns so well that it feels like naturally there's some kind of voice in my head okay um yeah so you uh you see these ants sort of going in and coming out um, and you hear them sort of like humming a work song all together. as a skeptic but somehow i'm going to ask the ants about uh the entrances and exits of the place like how do they see the big people the big creatures moving around okay um yeah so uh as do they you sing their response <laughs> <laughs> no that's like that's like their that's like their we're a team kind of work song that's like that's how they get hyped for the day i don't know i feel like we've established singing <laughs> <laughs> All right. Campaign. All right. Here we go then. Um, so uh, one of the ants sort of stops as you ask this question and sort of wiggles its antenna towards you and uh, sings his response and says, Did you just ask me a question? I did. And I'm going to need to like <laughs> check with a psychiatrist later after this, probably because Agnes is feeling weird. <laughs> uh, 
And so uh, the ant responds, um, If you want to avoid the people with the feet, you have to be careful where you go and eat. They're usually only on the first floor, but sometimes they go to the basement. What's more is you have to be wary of their comings and goings. There's all sorts of things happening in there we're knowing. So I, I turn to Sawyer, and uh, I have reason to believe that there's something going on in the basement, and so that's where we need to go once we when, if, once you're done working on that door. Were, were you um, were you communicating with them out loud, or was that all psychic link? That uh, I might you might have heard me kind of like whispering at ants a little bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so so you said there might be a basement. Yeah. No. There's there's definitely some kind of basement going there and I, I also have reason to believe the good food is down there <laughs> Sawyer stops jimmying the, the side of the thing and just sort of like slow turns and looks at you while you're crouched by the ants I'm really good at reading ants okay <laughs> they're fascinating creatures so are we trying to get in through the front door or you want to f- try to find a way down from the outside uh well I don't because so the ants are crawling are they crawling out of the and like cracks and crevices or are they yeah tiny tiny little cracks and crevices yeah right. uh in in the brick it's it would be it would take you su- uh, both of you such a long time to sort of chisel into there um and also this is not like a completely private street this is fairly close to the center of town um and so people are coming by and sort of gazing oddly at at this door that's dropped down and it's starting to cause a little bit of a spectacle um you know, it's been a couple minutes, and so now there's probably half a dozen people kind of gawking it at this. Uh, not an everyday occurrence, for sure. Uh, none of them are police, right? Uh, not yet. Okay. I want to specifically say that I'm going to keep an eye out for police because uh, that would not be so good for Sawyer. Sure. Uh, Sawyer, I rolled an 18 to, to jimmy my way in. Okay. Um, so you easily managed to pry off part of the uh, part of the door. Um the sort of door frame um, and behind it, you can see that this metal sheet is much larger than just the door. It seems to be covering that, that whole part. Uh, and you can sort of peer in a little bit further because you pried out. It goes further than the wooden part of the door. So it goes behind the brick on both sides. All right. We're not getting in this way. We have to find another way that maybe isn't being looked upon by so many looky loos. Okay. Um, I know, I remember last time there was some discussion about what was out in the back, but I'm trying to remember exactly. I don't believe there were windows. There might have been a storm. Uh, what are they called? The those storm cellar kind of door things. Uh, I think that was at Witherspoon's house. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. This there was no. Uh, there was I think that's not right. No windows. No doors. Yeah, I think we're, we're we are very limited in our options. <clears throat> I uh, tap on the metal to see if I can hear what's like, or if someone will tap back. Okay. Um, so it's been long enough that uh, you don't uh, you don't hear any response. We got to get to our friends. Yeah, uh, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. I'm just not sure exactly how we're going to go about it. Uh, oh. So can, how about if both of you give me a quick insight check insight. to get, get yeah get some get some guidance from your subconscious? Seventeen. Okay. So it occurs to both of you that. Um, even though Sawyer generally wants to avoid the police, uh, you have worked with them before, 
and going to the police, uh, especially Detective O'Neill, who seems to like you guys for some reason, um, despite all of your best efforts to to do otherwise. Um, and that saying, uh, you know, two of our friends entered a building and then were uh, a metal sheet was dropped over it and they're trapped inside uh, might be a pretty decent way to uh, to get some attention and to to allow you to sort of work your way into there without any, you know, without too much ado and certainly without attracting unwanted police attention. All right. How close are we to like the nearest police station? Uh, beat cops would be walking around um, and they're sort of on high alert because this is the area around. This is not far from where the other uh, Ripper murders have occurred. So are you all right with that, Sawyer? If I go around, start calling out for the police. Either that or if the city has a fire brigade. Use a fire axe right now. All right, you want police? I mean, I feel like we're going to get more help if I start calling for police rather than if I run around the streets calling for fire brigade. I mean, unless they're they're like uh, in plain clothes walking around, perhaps. <laughs> it's probably a volunteer force. Plain clothes uh, firemen. Exactly. <laughs> Is there a fireman in the crowd? Um, no, no. He uh, Sawyer just pauses for a moment, puts his head down, kind of sighs. All right, you want cops. And he quickly draws a pistol, fires it in the air, reloads before it even goes back into the holster and just sort of starts rubbing the temple or you know, rubbing the top of his nose. It's like, oh, here we go. Well, that's one way to get their attention. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the people who are gathered around there are like, some of them are absolutely horrified and like stunned into immobility. A few of them just take off running. Uh, and there's one little girl standing there who just thinks that's the coolest shit she's ever seen. She's just like, <gasps> oh yeah. So and Sawyer like, Sawyer definitely d- does one of those cowboy like wink, like kind of hat nod wink things. <laughs> Maybe she'll grow up to be cool. <laughs> yeah. So this this six year old girl is like, and like turns to like say to her mom how cool that was, and sees that her mom has taken off running down the street. Um, without her, <laughs> yeah, without her, just panicked and is running. Um, and so the the little girl like kind of looks at you, debates whether or not she should hang out with these strangers with guns, um, and then takes off after her mom. And yeah, sure enough, uh, moments later, you see a few police officers uh, from different directions sort of come come rushing there with their hands kind of on their, on their, on their guns, but uh, not drawn yet. And um, since they see that you don't have a gun in your hand, they're definitely willing to listen before they... Uh, uh- Sawyer takes a, a real, real casual step back behind uh, Agnes, uh, indicating that this is your show. Uh, officers, uh, our friends have been taken inside. There, There's something horribly wrong and we can't get the door open. And we have very good reason to believe that there are some very shady characters at work inside this building. Could you please help us to help our friends? Why are you talking with such a melody? I- <laughs> there's some sort of music going on in your head. <laughs> singing the ant song. <laughs> I've just like started. Like, this is a serious situation, situation, Agnes. Not a time for singing. I'm sorry. I just, I, I'm a little distracted. I'm a little all over the place right now. <laughs> we, we're, we, are, we have people in there who are in dire straits and we are helpless to do anything about it. So forgive me if my, my case is a little bit strange right now. Uh, yeah. They're, they're sort of looking puzzledly at you. Um, and uh, one of them turns to the other one, uh, whispers a couple things, and um, uh, they ask both of you to identify yourselves. Oh, 
Uh, I'll go first so you have some time to think about that. Uh, I'm Agnes Hahn. I'm I am Dr. Hahn's daughter. Um, Detective O'Neill and I have have spoken before. They're they're barely listening to what you say. They're uh, much more concerned with what Sawyer has to say at this point. Uh, and and Sawyer, you can tell that they're studying your face very carefully. Um, it was uh, O'Neill, Detective O'Neill. Yep, Detective David O'Neill. I say you you two report to Detective O'Neill. They nod. Well, Detective O'Neill might have told you about me, and then uh, Sawyer kicks with the back of his heel where his spur is, the the metal door, to get them to to be distracted by what he's saying. And he immediately says, "There's some there's some someone in there trying to get out. We got to get into this door." Um, they so they again ask you to identify yourself. They're looking a little bit uh, a little bit more froggy right now, and uh, they uh, they're sort of they're def- they both have their hands on their guns for sure. Uh, they haven't drawn yet. All right. <clears throat> the name's Sawyer, U.S. Marshal. And I quickly open my coat and close it again. There's just a small reflecting material in my in my vest pocket. Okay. Um, so uh, give me a deception check. That I can do. So okay. 15, 15. Okay. Uh, so you're successful. Um, and as they, uh, so they, they calm down a little bit and they ask you for more information about the situation. Um, and so uh, they, they also sort of walk up and start examining the door. Uh, let me give them an investigation check. Those are real bad investigation checks for police officers. <laughs> they notice it's metal. <laughs> yep, door is barred. Door is door. Door is door. Look, our friends are inside. We need to find a way in. Okay, um... They say uh, that if you're working with Detective O'Neill, it, it might be best uh, to go find him. I'm glad you're volunteering. <laughs> you may go. So uh, one of them, they sort of look at each other, um, and you can tell they're they're not thrilled about taking uh, orders from from somebody else. But uh, you, they believe you that you're a U.S. Marshal. So off they off one of them hurries and uh, says he'll be back as quickly as he can with Detective O'Neill. As soon as he goes, I say to the other one, uh, now I'm calmer because there's only one of them. Sure. Uh, uh, when the other one rushes off, I say to the other one, you know, have you ever thought about joining the marshals? <laughs> We're always looking for bright, talented, uh, inquisitive individuals, powers uh, of deduction. Give me a charisma check on this one. Agnes is looking away because she can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a natural 20. <laughs> I think I just wasted my good role before we get into combat. So he says, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Sawyer, that that's, that's golly. That's always been a dream of mine ever, ever since I was a little boy. Uh, but, you know, it just seemed so, so dangerous and, and so far away. And, you know, I, I wanted to stay close to my family because, uh, you know, my, my dad's not doing so well. And um, my mom, my mom, uh, she passed when I was young, but I had to kind of help take care of my dad didn't just want to send. And he's just kind of going on and on and on. Uh, he's he's just fanboying you about uh, U.S. Marshal stuff uh, and asking you just a bunch of questions about it, sort of rapid fire. Uh, you're able to get in an answer to about every two of his questions. <laughs> um, and uh, going forward, anytime he's present, I'm going to say that you have advantage on uh, on any kind of bluffing, deception, convincing, 
uh, anything that you want to try to get him to do or believe, you're going to have advantage on those checks. What's his name? Uh, his name is uh, Ted Blake. All right. So Teddy. I, should a, I should probably have a list of like just pre-generated names just for when stuff like this happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the, the other one ran off. Uh, Teddy. Teddy's my new guy. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I definitely want to get in there, though. I, I'm really unnerved by the fact that nobody responded to the knock. Sure. All right. Um, and so let's we'll jump back inside. Um, inside, uh, both of you are are unconscious. Um, and a, a short bit later, you both come to a little bit groggily um, to the to the sensation of sort of being dragged down a, a flight of stone steps. And it's one of those things where uh, you're you're not sure if it's a dream, you're not quite awake. Um, and as you feel it happening, you sort of drift back out, sort of darkness overcomes you again. Hmm. Uh, and now we're and now we're back outside. <laughs> um, so by this time, uh, after you sort of are getting peppered with questions by Teddy, um, O'Neill and the other detective come up, uh, and O'Neill is standing behind uh, that other uh, cop and shoots the two of you a look that is uh, pretty clearly. A little bit of like frustration, a little bit of like chiding, um, since he had, you know, the sort of like, I could have sworn I told you guys to be good. But uh, he comes up and looks at you and says, Marshall, what seems to be the trouble? What was this building again before I, I go into? Uh, this building is uh, the Freehill Bonafides. Freehill Bonafide. So, like, what what kind of what kind of activities would we would we expect going on in here regularly if it wasn't a cult? Uh, private social club. So it would be a place for people to gather for uh, conversation, um, for, you know, uh, possibly some card playing, possibly some, uh, definitely some drinking, probably some eating, things like that. All right. Well, detective, I don't know what you mean. We were just coming into this social club here and our friends got dragged in and these doors closed before we could join them. And now, and I knock on the door a couple of times, no one is responding. I'm afraid that our friends are in danger. He says, uh, wouldn't you agree, Teddy? Oh, wait, no, I wouldn't call him Teddy in front of the, the O'Malley. <laughs> wouldn't you agree, Officer Blake? He says, uh, yes, the, the fact that their friends are not responding is uh, in, in, incredibly concerning. There you have uh, it. We got to get inside. So, uh, so uh, yeah, O'Neill comes up and sort of examines the, the metal a little bit. Um, Raps on it a couple times and says, this is a pretty solid piece of steel. I don't know we're getting through this. Do you have any other recommendations then, detective? He says, I mean, we could we could potentially cut through it. That would take some time. Um, he says, but yeah, I mean, we can get we can get a group to to come here and, and cut through it, I suppose. What about one of those? Um, what are those things they use to ram into doors to to open them? I've, I feel like I've seen firefighters. He says usually not on a, not on a solid metal piece like this, but I mean we could certainly try it. Um, so he turns to uh, he turns to Blake um, and he says, Officer Blake, uh, you go get. Um, and he sort of rattles off some police jargon, um, and he turns to the other officer um, and he says, uh, Officer Smythe. 
you run over and get uh, and fires off some other uh, jargon. Um, but uh, you get the upshot that one of them is going to get the battering ram sort of thing, and the other is going to get the um, uh, the way to, to cut their way in. All right. Uh, Sawyer shoots uh, Officer Ted Blake a quick, you know, kind of a thumbs up. You got this. <clears throat> he, he nods very enthusiastically and uh, and rushes off. How, t- how tall is this building and how many, like how many stories? What's the roof situation like? Um, good question. Uh, it's about uh, it's only one story. Um, and the roof situation is a uh, pretty typical roof slanted, um, not uh, not flat. And there uh, don't appear to be any sort of entryways or hatches or skylights or anything up there. So uh, so what as the a- other. Oh, sorry, go ahead. What about a chimney? Uh, there is one of those, yeah. Like, uh, like, <laughs> what are we talking about? One, one, this, one that a human could fit through. <laughs> uh, you, you could, uh, you could definitely check. Um, uh, give, well, give me a. I guess that would be an investigation check. Uh, you know what? Uh, Sawyer, Sawyer looks looks at it. Looks at Agnes. And says, "You, you reckon a, you reckon a human could fit in there?" Well, I'll, I guess I'll go. <laughs> totally, totally meta passing off the investigation role to you. <laughs> Let me go check to see if one of us has to play Santa Claus right now. <laughs> Is there a way for me to get there's on? No, there's no way you believe in Santa Claus, Agnes. <laughs> no, but I... <laughs> I okay. So am I, can I just do the investigation from the ground? Looking yes, for, for sure, for sure. Luckily, I have in this, so... Even with expertise, let's see. Uh, that's an eight altogether. Okay. Um, you're not entirely sure, but it looks like, um, it looks like a person probably wouldn't fit down there. Um, I mean, we could try, but I have a very bad feeling. I, this, this, I I have this gut sensation, not that I believe in gut sensations, but, um, that one of us would end up stuck halfway down a chimney and there would just be another problem on our hands. Well, damn. Um, so Detective O'Neill says, uh, hmm, what, so what are you all actually doing here, Marshall? I'm going to give Sawyer a look to, to see how, how, try to gauge how much you want to give. I'm, I'm debating whether or not to, no, I don't want to do that. Okay. I'll, so we, we, um, we got this lead from two different locations, hmm. sort of. Like, cause I, I, not that I'm telling him this, but we, Li, Li Jing told me specifically, I have a, I have a personal reason for wanting to be here. Right. The group wants to be here because of the information we received from the doctor. Correct. That was the, uh, the information you, or, or not the doctor, the, uh, the madam. Yeah. Madam Marie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, and we, uh, I had no reason to believe that Madam Marie and, and, and the detective were at odds at all. She seemed to like him. So, correct. uh, I'll say that, uh, well, we, we escorted one of the, the scared uh, uh, working girls back to Madame Marie, and she let us know that there was something amiss over here, and so we thought we'd check it out. So Detective O'Neill kind of does a quick inspection of the outside, and he says, yeah, this is a strange building. No windows, um, and this is the only entrance? Uh, as far as we could tell, we did a pretty thorough look around. He says, that's strange, too. Social club, you would expect they would have a a door in the back for the help. Um, but and that chimney way too small for anybody to get down. 
Um, Sawyer shoots Agnes a look. <laughs> um, he says, uh, there's only one way in here, especially if they have your friends. It uh, Did the butler see the two of you? Sawyer is thinking incredibly quickly, like slow motion, like butterfly, butterfly slow motion flapping past his face. <laughs> would, it, would it be normal that he knows that a place like this would have a butler? Uh, yeah, I think pretty much any social club at this time would have uh, would have a butler. So it's not it wouldn't it wouldn't like strike me as odd that he knew that the place had a butler. Okay. Yeah. Um, butterfly speeds up and moves past. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't think the the butler got any type of look at the two of us. So O'Neill says, other than cutting our way in, one other possibility would be to see if we move away a little bit. Maybe they open the door up again. He says, if we try to break in, if they mean any harm to your friends, they might harm them faster than we can smash our way in. You have a good point, but time is also of the essence. So are you confident that you could get all these other onlookers away in time to make it look a little less suspicious? <laughs> he looks around uh, and he sees that uh, there's like one person sort of starting to come back from before uh, after Sawyer fired his gun into oh. the air. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, he says, uh, I suppose I could. And he looks at, looks at the guy and says, you there, go on. And the man <laughs> kind of takes off. <laughs> um, Sawyer takes a few steps back off, off where the threshold is, where we all are, kind of looking at the buildings to the left and to the right of this <laughs> building. And he, uh, he's, he's kind of, for a place, a place like this, if, if he's going back in his, in his mind to his days running with some outlaws, some bad folks. And if there was a place that only had one way in and out, that would not be a very good stronghold or, 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 or a, a, a den for, for criminals. There's another way out of here and he knows it. He knows they can't smoke them out because it might hurt their friends. So he's looking at the buildings to the left and right thinking there's got to be some connection between those buildings because there's a way out. And so he asks the detective who owns these two buildings. What, what are they? What, what's, what are these buildings here? Um, so Detective O'Neill uh, looks at one and says, well, that appears to be a bookstore. Uh, and he looks at the other one. He says, and that appears to be a private residence. But uh, I'm not sure, you know, I, uh, we could inquire. Also, Detective, do you happen to have either knowledge of or a map of the sewers around here? He says, uh he says he doesn't have a map on him, and uh, this is a little further out than he usually goes. Hasn't worked any cases where the, the sewers came into play. Agnes, you like books. I do. Why don't you go inquire with, with the detective here and then see if anything's off about that bookstore. If it seems to be some sort of, and I look right at the detective when I say this, some sort of a front, then maybe we need to inquire a little harder. I'll go talk to this private residence. Okay. All right, so uh, he, uh, Detective O'Neill says, uh, on second thought, Ms. Han, ma'am, I think you're more than capable of chatting with a shop owner. Marshal Sawyer, I think I'll come with you. And he kind of puts a little a little knife in Marshall. <laughs> um, Sawyer looks at Agnes uh, a little bit concerned only because uh, it would make more sense to make sure that a badge was at, at both locations in case something went wrong at the bookstore, if it was a front. So he's very, he's very aware that the detective is, is more interested in, in him than in this residence. 
Yeah. Detective, I, I, I hate to do this, but I'm actually, I'm quite nervous right now. Uh, is there anything that I could do to persuade you to come with, accompany me instead, since we don't know who is operating this bookstore and it very well could be someone who is in cahoots with, with the people over here in this building. He says, I, I could certainly be persuaded if the three of us went to check it out together. Um, but I'm interested in learning as much from, from this marshal as I'm sure he is from me. Well, I suppose we should chat about it over some books. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you head in and, you know, the sort of bell over the door rings. Uh, and an old man looks up from behind the counter and he says, uh, how, how may I help you? Can I, before I answer that, can I do a quick look around and try to get like a sense of whether this looks like other bookstores in the area? Or what sure. Something like yeah. Um, give me a uh, perception check uh, with advantage. I figure you've uh, you've spent more than your fair share of time in, in bookstores. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, this looks exactly like every other used bookstore uh, in the area. It's, you know, got the sort of stereotypical kindly old man. Um, it's, uh, you know, got the books. It has that smell to it. Um, there's absolutely nothing out of the ordinary about this. It's, it's almost as if someone had to generate this on the spot because they weren't planning on uh, you encountering it at all. And they're just completely <laughs> relying on tropes. <laughs> um, sir, it's a little bit unconventional, but... Actually, we're we're in a bit of a situation. Uh, do you happen to know whether, you know, is there a basement in this store? Is there any way that this uh, building might be connected at all to the one uh, next to you? He looks at you. Uh, he looks at Sawyer. He looks at, at the detective, uh, and he says, "Is there some sort of trouble?" Uh, I'm gonna look to own O'Neill to because I'm not sure how much he wants to. Sawyer, Sawyer just walk without looking or even talking to the guy, walks immediately to the back of the store to the place that an employee would not want a customer to go to. Okay. Um, uh, so O'Neill says, uh, Mr. Sawyer, a moment. And he walks over to the, the owner, extends his hand. He says, uh, Detective David O'Neill, how are you, sir? Uh, and the man says, uh, I'm fine, Detective. Uh, Richard Bennington, owner and proprietor of Bennington's Books. And... Uh, O'Neill says, there's a, there's a bit of a situation next door. Uh, don't believe you're in any danger, but we certainly would appreciate it if you'd let us look around your, around your basement, if you don't mind. And uh, Bennington sort of says, well, of course. Uh, it's straight through that door your friend was about to go through. Uh, second door on the right. Sawyer just goes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, O'Neill sort of very quickly goes to follow. Agnes? I am following as well. Okay. So you, you head down in the basement. Um, O'Neill, as he's walking down, turns uh, the, the gas light up just a little bit. Um, and uh, down in there, there are just boxes and boxes of books. Um, and the, the old book smell is even stronger. You can tell that this is a place where um, he sorts through the books. They're some kind of in a pile off to the side. Um, and the, the walls are all a bit damp. And as a result, all of the boxes are pulled away from the walls a little bit and set up uh, on on platforms a few bricks high, just in case there's any uh, any water down there. So you're able to get a, a pretty good look at the the walls around there. Um, you notice that you know it looks like a, a standard sort of dingy 
store basement. Sawyer's looking around for all the familiar signs of a of a hidden entrance. Sure. Um, <laughs> I say as if I know that there's hidden signs or familiar signs of a hidden entrance. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, give me a history check on that. History? Yep. I have a minus one to that. Okay. I rolled a 17, so a 16. Okay. Um, yeah, you look around and um, when you were running with, uh, with Holler, uh, you actually encountered something pretty similar to this where a den of thieves was using a, a nearby store to get in and out. Um, and there's none of the characteristic stuff that's there. Um, there isn't a sort of better trodden path uh, on the ground. Um, there don't appear to be any buttons, pulleys, levers to open up any part of the, the wall. There isn't, um, you know, everything is sort of evenly dusty and um, mildewy. There doesn't seem to be anything that's slid away or anything like that. All right. So Sawyer's a bit uh, a bit disheartened at that, looking around, seeing that it all kind of checks out, uh, and uh, looks looks back at Agnes and and says, uh, "Well, I suppose you're uh, you're happy here." Uh, I would be happier if we knew what was happening to our friends right now. But normally, yes, I would be very happy here. I look at the detective, and I'm pretty sure he's aware that there's nothing out of place here as well. Uh, yes, he is. All right, so we're going to flash back over to the other group for a second. Um, Ignacia, you, uh, you're, you're still unconscious, but um, well, still, still groggy, but you sort of come to, and uh, you're, you're now suddenly in the middle of a forest. And it's, it's now completely the middle of the night, and uh, you're laying there, unable to, to move. You hear this, this sound over nearby you. And out of the, the underbrush comes this large black wolf who pads over towards you, sniffs you kind of aggressively, but uh, sees that you're not able to move, so it's willing to approach you. But as it smells you, it seems to become completely calm. Uh, it takes a few steps away from you, sits back down on its back legs, um, just sits and stares at you. And as it starts to look at you, you see its eyes are glowing bright, bright, bright with fire. Okay. Um, Ignacia is gonna look at him and then look at see if there's anything restraining her at all. Is there finds or ropes or nope? There's nothing. Anything, it's just, or is it just yeah? It's just okay. just good old fashioned sleep paralysis. Oh yeah, good old sleep paralysis. <laughs> Gotta love that. <laughs> She's gonna um. As she looks herself over and sees that there's nothing holding her back, and she's just gonna breathe deeply, and she's like, "Can you help me?" Um, the the wolf sort of cocks its cocks its head to the side, and sniffs the air, looks around, um, and from it you hear uh, a woman's voice say, uh, "I don't think I can help you. We haven't met yet." And as, as the voice says that, the, the wolf sort of starts to shimmer a little bit um, and melts into the ground. At first you think the, the wolf is sort of like laying down next to you, but as it lays down it just keeps going uh, and it dissolves into the earth. And, uh, and that's the, the last thing you remember for now. Cool. All right, so we're back in the bookstore. And uh, 
And Detective O'Neill says, well, I guess the private residence then. I'm keeping an eye on that bookstore owner on the way out. Okay. Um, he's, uh, he's sort of like smiling blithely at you and says, did, did you find what you were looking for? I, I don't say anything to him. I just give him the kind of the, the evil eye as we go out. Oh, okay. I um, do like kind of one of these, like. <laughs> okay. You do the little like two fingers to the eyes. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Uh, <laughs> He, so he's sort of, he's startled by that and looks back. Um, and uh, Detective O'Neill says, uh, no, but thank you very much, uh, Mr. Bennington. Uh, I think my sister would love this place. I'll, I'll certainly recommend it to her. And he heads out. I smile politely in order to try to uh, balance out Sawyer's rudeness. <laughs> sure. Um, he smiles politely back at you. Am I picking up anything about, I don't know if I need to do an insight, insight check about the detective. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, give me an insight check. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to know a little bit more about like what what Sawyer can pick up from him. Sure. It's insight. I don't think I have a very good insight. Oh, plus one. So fifteen. Okay. Um. So that's good. Uh, you get the sense that he's helping you more than you would expect a detective to help you. Um. You realize that. Uh, he went along with the Marshall thing, even though uh, he has no reason to believe that you are. Um, he sort of dispensed with the other two police officers um, so that they wouldn't be around to uh, ask ask questions. Um, and so you get the sense that he's uh, helping you more than you think would normally happen. But you don't read anything sinister behind it. Okay. I, uh, I've, I've known honest cops in my day and they're the ones that I usually didn't have too much of a problem with. So I'll <clears throat> moving on to the other establishment. Has anything changed with the door when we go out there of the building that we were originally in the yeah, metal, it's open. metal door? Yeah. It's, it's open. O- it's open. Yeah. A uh, detective. It appears you were right. He says that, huh? And so it's about, uh, it's now about five o'clock in the evening. Um, and so it's getting, getting towards sundown, though you have a, probably another hour, hour and a half or so, uh, based on the time of year. He says, well, should we go in? Okay. All right. Uh, so from outside, the camera sort of zooms down the hallway faster than we can keep up with, um, and stops on, uh, James and Ignacia who are both tied sort of slumped on the floor in an almost seated position. And we sort of zoom into James's head and in there it's uh, sort of then pulls back and he's laying in bed with the the sounds of crickets um, and the occasional horse outside. And he opens his eyes, stands up and walks over to a window. Um, And James, you're sort of seeing this third person so you're both sort of within the experience of it and watching yourself experience it. You look out outside and you see uh, this beautiful horse farm that you have um, when suddenly there's this blood-curdling sound of a horse uh, and your eye is drawn to that and there's this shadowy creature with like mottled fur that um, is standing over a horse and just sort of tearing at it in this sort of violent way. It looks up at you uh, with these glowing red eyes and smiles uh, with a mouth filled with fangs and blood and just horse gore. And you 
sort of gasp and sit bolt upright in bed. And while you're sort of breathing heavily, Monty sort of comes to next to you, um, sort of puts his hand on your back and says, hey, are you all right? Uh, James, I kind of catch my breath and I say, no, it's just, 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 just a nightmare. Uh, you know, night and terror just, they just bolted me away, but just a nightmare. He says, what was it? Yeah, you know, it's just just something with the with the horses is kind of fuzzy. Something the horses were in danger, and it just you know it's nothing really. He says, "Wait, was it a like a black, like shaggy, like dog-like creature?" And James takes a moment and looks at him, and looks into Monty's eyes, and and sees that Monty knows exactly exactly what James like the or seems to knows what the dream was, and James is like. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly that. Um, he says, that's that dream I told you about the other day, remember? And then remember sort of echoes a couple times, um, and your eyelids flutter open and you're in this basement. You, uh, kind of look over and this, uh, this guy in a robe, um, sees that you, you've sort of come to, uh, and you're still sort of dazed, and he walks over and uh, kicks you in the head as hard as he can and everything goes dark again. Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yunsu Davis as Agnes, Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as our Game Master. Road to Play Podcast is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue.